There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest case study on man. You've been here for a while because we're at episode 57. Or if you're just joining us, here we are talking about the conscious journey of man and what it looks like to go from unconscious to conscious. Not a destination, but more so a journey. And I'm here with my man, Diamond Well. Brother, how are you? Oh, hello. Ah, I'm great, Luca, and uh, it's exciting because you're, we're actually kind of local, like yeah. you're just up in the mountains right now, I'm in the city, but we're, we're, we're at least in the same time zone, we're breathing the same air, it's pretty solid. It's, this is uh, beautiful, man. Vancouver. Thank you very much, thank you very much, yeah. it's a pleasure to be here. But you, you weren't always um, here, I mean, you're born and raised here, but I, so you grew up here, but where, where did you, well, what was your journey, because you went to Bali? Yeah, I grew up on the eastern side of Canada, so Toronto, Ontario, and uh, I graduated, um, you know, when I was 18, graduated high school, and I was like, peace out, I'm gone. Uh, I moved to the west coast because I wanted the mountains, uh, as you know, where you are right now, you know exactly what attracted me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anybody that's been to Vancouver, just you only have to come once and uh, it's a hard place to leave. Uh, Bali's very similar, right? Like mm. you get to Bali, it's like, whoa, I, I love this place and uh, you don't want to leave. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've lived in Vancouver ever since I was 18. And uh, But we just came back from a five-year stint of traveling, my family yeah. and I, my two kids and my wife. And uh, so we traveled all around North America quite extensively and my father was quite ill. And uh, after he passed, uh, yeah. we realized that, okay, now we can go overseas. And we, we thought we'd go Bali and then travel around Southeast Asia but like what happens to a lot of people you get to Bali and you kind of get stuck and, yeah, uh, but it was a good kind of stuck you know we definitely needed it and um, so and I continued to do some traveling but we had a home base in Bali and in, in yeah. Chengdu and, and uh, yeah so we, we loved it and then relocated back I relocated back earlier this year pre-COVID actually it was, it was funny um, you know it was no man you COVID. are you, your family is, yeah. is, a, is true visionaries you ah, see it before it happens eh <laughs> we were super lucky. I mean, it, when my wife and I, we were laughing because we were like, man, it was like just things worked out for the best. And it just yeah. seems that that tends to be a norm for us. Mm. You know, like we, we get to some of these dark moments and we're just like, oh, you know, it's going to work out. And 
been there too. It works out. And yeah. uh, so getting back to, to Vancouver pre COVID, it, it was, we were pretty fortunate, you know, to, to, to have that opportunity. Cause you, you know, a lot of people got stuck uh, in different parts of the world and weren't able to travel. And, uh, yeah. but anyways, yeah. So we're back now and um, I'm looking forward to you and I meeting in person too. This yeah. is great. You know? Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. Every day. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because yeah. I I think I'm was it Ezra that introduced me to you Ezra Mitchell mm -hmm. yeah Ezra that's right yeah 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 he uh, and, and he was he was on Woke Man just before and and he goes oh I have to connect you to Di and and, and then I found out you're because you're good friends with John Spender too yeah yeah I know John as well yes. yeah uh, so they were Toastmaster all... buddies you know from Toastmasters in Bali yeah, that's where we initially made the connection and then uh, yeah obviously friendship sort of emerged from that. He's a good dude. So, it's, yeah, so it's the woke man connections, the woke man tribe are coming together. It's beautiful. It's but you want him sort of everyone sort of being like, going, oh, he'd be good for woke man. So it's sort of like getting yes. a lot of referrals like that. For sure. But I'm excited to meet to, to meet you too, man, and, and connect to because obviously fresh here in Vancouver, it's going to be a um, creating a whole new tribe again, you know. Yeah. So oh, good looking forward to it. Yeah, That's beautiful, be great. Brother. Well, 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 we'll get you around some good men and good ladies and just just good peeps you know cool, and uh as things lighten up you know especially as we get into the fall it's uh as you got a taste of what the weather can be like here <laughs> last week man and uh so we you know enjoy it you're in whistler in the perfect time right now so uh, i know the yeah. sun's shining today it's beautiful man yeah it's gorgeous how old are you now though i am 43 and yep. uh, actually as of uh two days from now it'll be 44 days until i'm 44 so hey, uh, yeah 44 44 <laughs> going, <laughs> yeah, going into a, a vortex a yeah it's beautiful man <laughs> <laughs> and, and what are you doing for a living right now uh well that's a great question what do i do for a living <laughs> I, I do a lot of things i'm just passionate about uh, i made that decision five years ago because i had a previous business that i did for 17 years it was uh brick and mortar eight retail stores and uh, a couple b2b enterprises and some e-com businesses and i had this whole business that I built with a business partner uh, over 17 years and we sold fitness equipment, accessories, supplements and apparel all across Canada. And uh, that was my space. I've been in the, the wellness space pretty much 25 years um, mm. in different capacities, obviously. And uh, then five years ago, you know, I just got to a point where I was like, I am just not loving this anymore. And, you know, my business partner was 20 years my senior and he was my first real business mentor. And you know, in my early 20s, you know, he was uh, in his early 40s. And I was looking at his life, looking at what he had done. And I was like, Oh, I really want that. That's that looks like success to me. You know, I had a great family, his kids were similar age to, to what my kids uh, were about 10 years ago at the time. And I just thought, wow, this is a great dude, I can learn a lot from him. And, uh, and I did. And again, a great friendship was there. And uh, I don't begrudge any of it, that experience. But it got to a point where I realized, you know, in the last 17 years, man, I've been chasing this vision, but it wasn't mine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was somebody else's. And uh, I just realized that I wanted to make some changes. My wife was uh, that voice, you know, in the back of my mind. And, and uh, she had some passions for travel, especially being a full-time family, just living life a little bit differently. Yeah. And uh you know, she dripped on me for about two years before I finally said, okay, yes, let's work towards that. And, and it was almost two years to the point where I finally exited out of the business. And, and that was just over five years ago. Wow. Uh, actually just celebrated five years back in August. So cool. a few months ago. Yeah. And, and, and so now I do a lot of things that I'm just, I'm into things that I love yeah. and, and it's all about creating impact in other people and, yeah. and really helping people get out of their own way. Yeah. So I do coaching mentorship. Uh, I, I do a lot of keynote talks 
um, for, for small to large organizations on and offline and uh, running a bunch of programs. And I, I do a little bit of consulting, people that know me in the business space and uh, platform development and you know people want to build or, or do things that they do really well offline and want to do them even better online. Mm. Uh, they, they tend to reach out. Sort of like how Ezra referred you to me. Uh, it, people just refer people to me. And, yeah. and But I don't market myself. You go to my LinkedIn profile, I don't talk about that stuff because uh, it's not my, my, my jam anymore, um, mm. but I'm good at it. So every once in a while, you know, I'm like, help a friend out. Yeah. But, but, but really now it's just all about, uh, you know, family. Um, as I say, you look at any of my profiles, first and foremost, the two titles that matter most to me is one, dating my wife of 20 years now. And secondly, you know, I'm an engaged father to two beautiful teenage girls. And you know, those are the primary those are the focuses, right? Mm. Everything else, well, it's just stuff that I do to, to make an impact and hopefully connect with some really cool people. That's beautiful, brother. I love that. Yeah. What's one thing I, you really I'm sorry it's at? not that more concise answer, you know? People no, are man. like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, what don't I do is probably the better question. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? And, and what you do is follow your passion, and I love that, and that's what everyone needs. Everyone needs more of that, follow their heart. So I love that. And, and you know, Thanks. I can see that, obviously your experiences, your business experiences have led you to finding more fulfillment and, and wholeness in your life. So what, what's mm. not better than just coaching people on how to do that too now, mentoring people yeah, on how to do that, yeah. you know, business yeah, it's enjoyable. Passion. I, love I do it. like it. I do like it. What's one thing you're really good at though? Uh, well, you know, I am really good at seeing potential in people and, and also empathizing with where people are at. Mm. And uh, I always say I, I'm very good at meeting people where they are right now mm. and helping them understand that, you know, where you've got to right now, it's a culmination of experiences. Don't, don't, you know, discount that. Mm. I mean, we're all just an amalgamation of our, our last series of choices and actions. Right. And, and I think sometimes we forget that, that we've been through a lot. You know, we, we get through that hurdle and, and then another hurdle and then another hurdle. And then we're always thinking, well, what's the next one? What's the next one? Instead of just really taking a second just to be like, man, I've covered a lot of ground here. You know, look at all this cool stuff I've done. Look at all these great things I've learned and, and actually, you know, retooling what we've learned to now actually influence what we're doing next. And uh, so I'm really good at helping people sort of take those lessons out and then apply it to create the results that they've been striving to create, but often get in their own way. Yeah. You know? so, so that's sort of my, my secret sauce. I'm really good at helping people with that piece. Because yeah. once you get through that piece, Ooh, there's way less friction. All of a sudden you realize, you know, these things that you thought were really challenging before. It's like, oh, you know what? With I don't know what took me so long to do this. It's like, this is way easier than I, than I remember it being, you know? And mm. uh, so, so, so that would be, I think, the main thing for me. Yeah, that makes a powerful mentor, man. I can see why that's why you do that. Mm. So that's beautiful, that gift coming Thanks. together with that. What's one of your biggest fears? Well, you know, well, pre-kids, uh, it was very different. But after you have kids, you, I remember, it's, it's so cliche, right? Like, we, we hear this. And I used to hear from the guys that were older than me, my older friends that already had kids. And I'd be like, and they're like, it all changes when you have kids. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you get? right on, whatever, man. It's life will be life. My kids will, you know, anyways. Then I had kids. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> everything changed. It was like, it was like, I mean, it was the most significant moment in my life i remember when my first daughter was born we were in the hospital and the, and the baby's being delivered and, you know she's coming out and and it was just like uncontrollable ugly crying but happy ugly crying right yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and sobbing and just just lost it, losing control of all emotions yeah and realizing that i contributed in the creation of this being and everything changed 
it all changed, you know? And uh, so when I think about my fear, it's not necessarily fear of myself, but it, fear of, well, I guess it's kind of myself because it's my fear. Um, but it's, it's the worry that I, I can't be there to support them, can't be there mm. to protect them, or, or that I might fall short as a dad. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, those are some really r- real fears for me. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't—I try not to give in to that, but there's always that little voice in my head. Well, am I, am I doing this the best that I can? And yeah. uh, and I know they'll—they'll they'll probably say that, yeah, I am. But we also have our differences at times, especially after driving. You know, <laughs> when the first couple of years of us traveling was just like in an SUV driving around North America, <laughs> tight quarters, man. It, it, <laughs> you don't have a lot of breathing room there. And uh, and I'll say we were the best of friends, but we were also know how to push each other's buttons. Oh yeah. And so so there's those moments, you know, where I'm like, what am I doing? What is this <laughs> crazy? Uh, but overall, that 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 would be like uh, one of the big fears. Yeah. And also yeah. my own personal fear, to be honest, Luca, is just that I'm not living up to my own potential yeah you know? yeah I'm very short or hold myself back and i think a lot of people have that same fear um mm. so I, I try to you know it, well you know how it goes when you coach and mentor people it's like we're really good at asking them questions to help them see where they should go and then i i, I sometimes don't ask myself the same questions you know Completely and, and go through the same that. processes at times and and uh for fear you know yeah. fear of, of falling short and yeah. not following through and just ending up less than what I potentially could be. Yeah. So, yeah. I appreciate you sharing that, man. I haven't yet come to the real, come to having kids yet. And, but I can, I'm excited for that day, but I could understand definitely how it would shift because it, the onus is off you now. There's more like, like yes. you've got responsibility. Yes. So I can Went tell from me to we, right. Me to we. Yeah. So to them, to you know, and, uh, but I was going to say, you know, the best part is man, just keep practicing. You know, it's okay. <laughs> hey, that's the good part, man. That's the good part. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part man yeah. <laughs> i never stop practicing uh, you know, i'm not gonna have more kids but i'm gonna keep practicing so. but uh yeah oh shit i love that man uh, what's what's one of your favorite quotes though oh man gosh you put me on the spot here I, you know i i think that's funny so our men's group uh i kicked off a book club so every month we read a new book and then we cool. come together at the end of the month to discuss it. And, and so there's been so many quotes in my life that have been inspiration. But most recently, we read the book by Viktor Frankl, Men's Search for Meaning. Mm. And I think he quotes Nietzsche in that book where he says, with a strong enough why, you can endure anyhow. Mm. I love that quote, you know, like it, it, with a strong enough why. Mm. It doesn't matter. You can endure anything. You know, and, and so, I, but he, you know, the context that he shares that quote is really powerful too in the book. You know, he's recounting his experience surviving, you know, a number of, mm-hmm. of concentration camps uh, during World War II, and uh, just just what he observed and in his his inner observations of himself. And and so, when you look at that contextually to what he was experiencing, it's just like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, here is this man that came out of this experience, lost his entire family, yeah. entire family. You know, and, and then still was able to come out of this, and, and really was the grand, the father, the 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 OG of logotherapy, you know, which is really this idea of of, of purpose, right? Finding purpose in your life, being purpose driven, mm-hmm. and, and really aligning what you do with that purpose, that passion, mm-hmm. and uh, seeing that you can really do anything. Because when you are aligned with that, it doesn't matter what, how, it doesn't matter if COVID comes your way, you know, it doesn't matter. You'll figure it <laughs> and, out, and you know, like you're gonna figure it out you you work through it you make it through it but you believe so deeply that you will yeah. and you will persevere and uh yeah. so that 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 right now for me is that. just a very powerful quote that's front of mind bloody earth man i love that what's a con what's a conscious man to you 
Whew. Well, that's a good question. <laughs> Man. Well, when you say conscious, it's almost like refers to waking up, which is very apropos considering that the yeah. series of, uh, <laughs> you know, that you're talking about this idea of a woke man. Uh, you know, I, I like to believe that someone that's very in tune with himself, but also in tune with the world around him yeah. and his ability to, you know, influence, you know, much like a mentor or as a role model is probably a more appropriate term, uh, but, but someone that really lives by his actions and by his choices and, and isn't afraid to stand by them hundred percent and, mm-hmm. and also recognize the shortcomings. I, I know that's something that I, I've struggled with in the past. You know, I, I would, externalize blame other external factors for my inability to reach certain targets or goals or expectations especially my own Mm. you know rather than just owning the situation saying yeah you know what could have done that better and i I think there's a certain awareness and consciousness that's that involved you know maslow talked about that idea of self-actualization right and uh i don't know if i go in with that fully but i'd like to believe that it's someone that's very mindful of their own choices and actions and, and mindset and their ability to filter through all that to create yeah. a certain result. So yeah, it's um, beautiful. Yeah, I think that that's probably you know, I don't think it's a short answer. Um, no, it's but, a good answer. Uh, it, it, it's so beautiful to see all like you know what your fifty episode fifty seven fifty seven different responses to that question. But the main thing <laughs> yeah. comes back to what we're seeing is a lot of radical responsibility mm. and taking responsibility for your actions, in which you say there too, and it's incredible. It's incredible mm. to see that and to see that pattern. That's um, cool. What What's one thing that's challenging you right now? Well, you know, most recently, well, like I said, my, <clears throat> excuse me, my, my uh, wife, Christian, you know, we've been dating for 20 years. We're, we're in our 20th year together. And, uh, you, you know, we've realized that communication is, is really the backbone of every relationship you know that ability to communicate to connect to to understand to to empathize to sympathize and uh to also grant one another patience and you know we're the best of friends but also being the best of friends we can also be the best of enemies and when i say that it's not like we're there to spite each other to hurt ourselves but we can be Mm-hmm. And uh, we've we've recognized that our communication needs to be improved. So, you know, we're working with a, a, a relationship counselor. You know, we had an, a number of sessions. And now we're taking those tools that we've been learning and, and trying to apply it. And we're seeing progress. But we've recognized that that is our number one struggle. And, especially, and you know, COVID really brought it to the forefront. Like, I got to be honest with you. And we've heard about a lot of relationships that have gone, woo, this way, right? Mm-hmm. People have broken up based on COVID. But also some people have come together. But when you're in a tight space or <laughs> in a small condo down, down Vancouver, you know, it's uh, and you don't get a lot of, of your own space. Um, we realized that that was something that we really needed to work on. And so uh, it's been one of the primary challenges and also me being able to communicate with my daughters. They're, they're women now, you know, mm. they're 15 and 17, soon to be 16 and 18. They're little women and mm. learning how to, to navigate that shift from my baby girls to, my baby girls who are now almost adults, you know, it's like, whoa. And, and just those dynamics that they're little people with their own attitudes, their own perspectives, their own opinions, and, and being open to allowing that yeah. <laughs> you know, rather than uh, there's some tendencies, you know, to, to want to protect them. Like I told mm. you earlier, one of my biggest fears is not being able to protect them, not being able to shield them from being hurt. And uh, I know it's going to happen and it's going to ha- happen, you know, whether I like it or not. Um, but, but uh, yeah, that, that's sort of 
the yeah. biggest challenge right now, you know, is, is just me navigating those waters and mm-hmm. uh, being okay with it. And, and it's, it's new ground for me or new water, new, new, it's a new journey, man. Yeah, it's, man. Uh, and and so, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. There's, there's some struggles there, but hey, I'm navigating as best I can. Yeah. That's, thank you for sharing that, Ben. I, I really appreciate that. It's because, you know, you don't really think that it's, it's easy to go, Oh, once we overcome a challenge that it's easy to think of oh, when does the healing journey stop but mm. it really doesn't and would you agree with that because like you've obviously yeah you know what are you 44 soon so you're 14 years ahead of me like mm. i'm sitting here and a lot of i hear a lot of comments going oh when's this healing journey end? like you know <laughs> is it ever going to be over and you know it's interesting because you've been doing on this path for a while now what would you say to that yeah, you know, I, I think healing is an interesting thing, right? Because even I think back to my, my, you know, competing in CrossFit, there were some pretty gnarly moments where I've had some pretty nasty injuries and there's scar tissue there, you know, and it's always going to be there. It reminds me, I've got some cuts that have healed, but there's a scar there. It, it reminds me that, you know, trauma happened. And, and I think some of the emotional trauma that we've experienced, it, it's not, you can't see the scars necessarily. I think the scars show up in our life. They remind us we we are triggered (laughs) at times, reminding us of some of that initial trauma that we've experienced. But I I think we're always learning to to heal. You know, we're always learning to to work through it and and some of those pains. And I respect a lot of the pain that I've experienced, you know, especially some of the emotional, psychological trauma that I've lived through, especially over the last decade, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into that in a minute. But I've had some you know, everybody's had their, their hero's journeys that they've been on and they're always finding themselves challenged and, and, and we work through it and we come out the other side, hopefully changed and inspired to, to, to help others deal with those and navigate those paths. But uh, I'll tell you, sometimes I, I forget, you know, that, that this healing thing, it's happening and I have healed tremendously, but there's still some needling little discomforts there, right? Or I see certain things or I'll watch a movie or a documentary, listen to a podcast, read an article, and, and once in a while, things get triggered, right? Mm-hmm. So I should be in a men's group, the guy's sharing, talking about what's real for him right now. And I hear him sharing a story and I'm like, oh man, I've been there. Mm-hmm. But now hearing them, like I have this, like I mentioned before, this this power of being able to, the skill that I have is being able to relate to others and also understand where they're at and, and empathize and sympathize, you but also- that feel what it's like to be in there. And, and sometimes that's triggering as well. So I can almost feel like that trauma coming up again. You know, yeah. it's like, Oh boy. Oh my goodness. Oh geez. <laughs> oh, I've been there. Here we go. And, oh, and I have to remind myself, okay, I'm not that guy anymore. And, I, and I've changed. I've worked through this, but yeah. I don't want to forget what I did go through, which is so in, in at the same time, it's also very cathartic, you know, going through mm. that process again. Cause it's like, Whoa, whew. okay. It's not happening again for good reason. I'm a different guy now than I was 10 years ago, you know? Uh, and I've done a lot of healing, um, but I'm always healing. And I think we all are. It's like going to the gym. Why do we go to the gym? To tear ourselves down, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we can build ourselves back up. And the theory is that we get stronger and stronger through that constant uh, time under tension, as they say in the fitness yeah. space, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's that's a long-winded Beautiful, answer man. for probably something I could have done much shorter and concise. Uh, but ah, well, whatever. Thank you. <laughs> what, what does unconditional love mean to you? <laughs> Well, love without conditions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that would be the easiest. Oh, next question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's uh, it's something that I've had to learn. To be to be frank, you know, like it's uh, would being a parent. Would being to, a parent like sort of take well, that being a parent, level? Like, 
Yeah, that I mean, I understand a lot more now of how our parents dealt with my brother and I, especially. You know, we we were little terrors, you know, especially in my teen years. I went through about a three-year period where I was just, I mean, I don't know how my mom did it, you know, to be honest. She was a single mom. And uh, you know, my brother and I were big dudes. I'm six one, you know, two fifteen. My brother is six four and he's like two seventy, right? Like he's a big dude, Whoa. big little brother. And uh we just, you know, going through that time in our life and just, we, we weren't the easiest kids to get along with at times, you know, like, gosh, hormones are flying and just, you know, it just, life was challenging, you know, and uh, but she loved us and she loved us so much. Didn't matter what we did. And, and I used to be like, I never really appreciated that and understood that until I had my own kids. And, and I think that unconditional love, it's, it's one thing. I, I know I've done things that, that hurt my mom or hurt friends and family. And yet being able to see through the hurt, start the healing, but also recognize that forgiveness. Mm. You know, you can forgive someone for doing something. It doesn't mean you have to be okay with it, but you can to that point of forgiving. And, and that, I think, in itself is an act of unconditional love. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so I think the two are very tightly bound but it's that idea of giving something without the expectation of receiving yes right? and uh, that's beautiful so yeah and, and but it's something i'm constantly practicing i'll be very honest with you it's mm-hmm. um it's easier to say that mm, <laughs> and to give it and do it you know and uh so yeah i totally yeah. agree man it's a, it's a constant practice and and it's yes. it's, 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 theor- it's theoretically but like yeah but that's perfect this is yeah yeah and then you, get, you have to practice it and you're just like, holy shit, that's so different. But yes, yeah, right. it is a journey. Man. So difficult. Mm. Now, the last question for this section before we get into your sure. main journey. Do you believe in a greater power and what is that to you? Yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, it's funny. We were raised Christian mm-hmm. and, um, you know, in and out. <laughs> in and out. Uh, like my mom's just gotten back you know she's in her mid-70s actually just turned 76 and uh, so i was back in ontario a couple weeks ago to celebrate that with her which was wonderful and but in the last couple of years she she's found herself going back to the church you know going back to mm. christianity and, and participating in that community but it was also really good for her at her age to, to have that community as well so I, I see there's a number of boxes being ticked but she's got this strong passion for religion again you know, and specifically Christianity and um, being raised in that. And, and we, we celebrate some of the, the, the traditional Christian holidays, you know, uh, like Easter and, and Christmas and some of the other little things in there. But I, I think it's more so as a holiday, as a family event. Um, I've realized a long time ago, especially as I started to, I went to school for philosophy and English lit, and I really loved the Eastern philosophy uh, years of that study. And, and uh, especially when I, I started to really dive into Buddhism, I, I started to realize that there's a lot of other aspects that I just don't, I wasn't aware of. And I'm still not fully aware of. And, and so I, I find it's very much a subjective journey I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I like to believe that there's something greater. You know, there's a greater good at work. And, and we, whether you call that just energy, call it vibrations. I mean, it's the one thing that we absolutely know is true is that everything's changing constantly. And uh, the more we fight change, it seems that it tends to punch us back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so learning to just appreciate the, how energy is constantly shifting. I, I've started to be much more open to just the idea of change. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I don't fight powerful. it anymore and 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 i'm sort of just trusting 
in the universe, that higher yeah. power, whatever it may be. Um, I, I can't give a specific answer or a definition, but I do believe that people are, are innately kind. Yeah. And, and I think there's that uh, given in a, every one of us. And, and, and I believe that that in itself is connecting us all, you know, and, and that, uh, so I know I'm not explaining myself or articulating this quite the, the way that I would like to, but I, I do believe that there's something more mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and we're constantly evolving. You know, we really are. If we, if we allow ourselves, we're constantly changing, constantly growing, constantly evolving. And uh, I'd like to believe that, there's another evolution for all of us, you know, as much as we like to think that this life is fixed and we got X amount of years, you know, and it's only so much mileage. But at the end of that journey, I like to believe there's another one that starts. I don't know what that is. It's a belief. It's something that I hope, I don't know for sure. Yeah. And and it's one of those things, right? That's the problem with this kind of stuff. It's like, we don't actually know. We just don't know. (laughs) I say that a lot. I'm like, like, we we believe what we believe because we've had Mm -hmm. some sort of experiences around it. And, you know, yeah. one thing we know for sure, change. That's like the yes. universal constant. Yeah. But other than that, like, what do we know for sure? And I ended up writing a list with my partner one time. We went for dinner and I was like, okay, I just want to write a list of what we actually know for sure. Okay, mm. cool. Change is a constant. Okay, cool. There's polarity to everything. And so, like, we wrote this list, but, you know, we don't know what God is. We do- I don't know what that is. I don't know if ghosts are real. Like, these are all just sort of like our own experiential beliefs. Mm-hmm. But I love that way that you put it and you sort of, and it sort of connects it back to what you were saying at the start of like, Hey, for some reason we tend to found ourselves, we found ourselves before COVID back in Vancouver. Like, yeah. How? So I guess that sort of ties into that, that question for you, right? For sure. Well, yeah. when we stopped fighting it, like, it's just, it is the craziest thing. My wife and I have been like, I used to always say, well, we've just been, so, we were just so lucky. Yeah. I, I don't, I, well, I think that's just another <laughs> way of saying it. it's just, we, we stopped fighting it and we just trusted that the right thing was going to happen yeah. for the right reason at the right time, you know? And, uh, but the one thing that we've always focused on is we, we choose kindness. You know, we just choose kindness. My wife's very good at reminding me this. Cause I, at times <laughs> I, I'll be, I listen. Your wife, your wife sounds I don't want to be kind right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and my wife, she'll chirp and she's got this little voice. She does. She's like, Church kindness, church kindness, like, and she like shrieking, and it is so funny when she does it. It instantly creates a shift in our family. We giggle, we laugh, and it just our energy shifts, you know, because we do recognize it's a choice. We can choose kindness, right? Yeah. And uh, so she is really the one that that that's the glue that holds our family together and keeps us on that 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 path. Because I, I think if we were left to our own vices, my yeah. daughters and I, we'd be like crushing each other sometimes <laughs> but she is just so good at bringing us back to reality and making us laugh and realize you know what in the whole scope of things what you guys are fighting over is really stupid you know like it's it just doesn't matter because we won't even remember this you know by tonight and uh totally so man. yeah that's beautiful yeah man she's yeah. A, she's a saint eh? a saint in the household she, she, we, we call her the life enhancer, you know, like it, it, honestly, she's just very, very good at, at, I've learned a lot from her and I'm constantly mm-hmm. learning, you know, but she challenges me like no one other. And, and sometimes I, I, and she knows this, like I talk openly about this. I'm like, sometimes I don't like her. <laughs> I, I, I love her, but sometimes I don't like her. And, uh, and it's because she, she calls me out of my bullshit yeah. and she can do it like nobody else can. But yeah. she also knows me better than anybody else does. Yeah. And uh, she knows my passion. She knows what I want. She knows what I'm working towards. 
and she'll be the first to call me out and, and hold me best accountable. Ah, well, and it's, it, it, yeah, I wouldn't say it's the best, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's times where I'm like, oh, gosh, she's right. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell her that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. Nope. I, feel, yeah. I keep that to myself. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's um, yeah, uh, the life enhancer in our family for sure. I love that, man. I love that. Let's talk about your conscious journey now. And, and the first mm-hmm. question of this part is tell me what your life looked like as unwork, you know, unconscious. Yeah. And, and how does that compare to who you are today? Oof. Well, it's night and day, like literally that, that different. And mm. when I think about it, it all sort of started, like I, I was morbidly obese as a teenager. So at a young age, I was very overweight. I got there all at, on my own volition. Like it, it's, nobody did that to me. Um, definitely, you know, there's some support mechanisms that were probably in alignment with that state of unhealth, meaning that my, my parents were very good at just let me have my excuses and, and not willing to push me on it. Cause it got to that point where I just like, no, this is what I'm doing. And I don't want to join any sports. And mm. this is the kind of food I want to eat. I'm going to play video games. I'm going to watch it. Like I was just very good at just deflecting any type of support that was being offered. And uh, you know, so over a period of five years, I gained a lot of weight. And with that state of unhealth, especially at 14, when I was my largest, um, you know, there's, there's certain beliefs that I had for myself and uh, like, I wasn't worth it. You know, I, I, no one was going to love me. You know, I hated myself. I, did, I was disgusted at myself. Uh, I, I, I mean, gosh, there's like two photos of me, you know, at that period of my life, like only two images I can find. Mm. One of which I include in my book and I put on my website because people don't, they're like, yeah, right. You know, they meet me now and they're like, nah, whatever. You know, like, I don't believe you. And, and mm. I got to pull up the image. I'm like, no, it's legit. But there's no mm. images because I avoided the camera. I'm just so grateful that I wasn't in this day and age where everybody's got a freaking great camera on their pocket, you know, like, mm. <laughs> like so there wasn't uh, that uh, stress. But, you know, I, I was very withdrawn. All the cliches that are attached to somebody that's in a state yeah. of morbid obesity, you, you know, I was living yeah, which again, I think I learned a lot through that experience because it allows me to empathize with my clients, okay. especially when they're dealing with health complications or, or health struggles, well-being mm. struggles, you know, just, I get it. I know what it's like to be there. And it's shown yeah. up in my life a few other times. But I remember going through that shift. It took about 20 months from the age of 15 to 17, where okay. I, I just made that mental shift, changed my lifestyle. I, I won't go into all the gory details, <laughs> but basically I just started to move my body regularly. And I educated myself on nutrition, on how to fuel myself to start thriving rather than just simply trying to survive, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but I focused all my efforts on the external. Yeah. I, I didn't do any inner work. I after, didn't know what inner after, work was. Yeah. After you made the that shift. That came later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I made that shift and I was just so focused on my external, right? I was yeah. wanting to lose the fat. I was wanting to get healthy, get me, you know, like the typical guy, I want to get ripped. back, you know, and yeah. I want it. I want a girlfriend. That was a big motivator for me, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was just, I just want a girlfriend. I want someone that will like me, will mm. love me for who I am, you know? Uh, so really when I start digging into it, you know, there's a lot of things there to unpack. Um, but, mm. you know, I realized that I learned, I believed at that time, and, and I carried this into my 20s and uh, right up into my early 30s even, was that image was everything. I, I, I was very superficial at times. You, you know, I, I didn't act like that, but I believed it. Mm-hmm. And at times I would even catch myself and I'd be embarrassed to even think that. Mm-hmm. But it was just what I believed. So I was constantly working on exercise and, and being fit. And, and just I, I desired 
being attracted. I believe that that's how I found value. If somebody wanted me, especially a woman, that meant I was worth something, you know? And holy smokes, did it create a lot of grief for me because I also realized that I, I dealt with a bit of social anxiety, uh, a very weak mindset. And uh, I, I learned to deal with a lot of stress and anxiety in my life with alcohol and narcotics. So I, I learned to cope with those stresses in life with with those with these mm. external vices if you will and it got to a point where that became a big part of my life and it led to to me being uh, unfaithful to my wife um living a double life like literally like whew, it, i was a very different individual and this is about 11 years ago now when i hit like oh my goodness this house of cards is all gonna fall down yeah. and it did and it did you know and uh that was where the biggest shift happened was just over 11 years ago you know and we can go into that in a sec but uh, you know just sort of to, to close off that that mm. question you know like that was really a, about a 15 year period from the age of 15 to about 31 uh i was struggling man i i mean from the outside looking in people that knew me they, they, you know i was building this multi it was awesome dollar company yeah. like they were all yeah all the smoke and mirrors right everybody's like what the time? Yeah. he's rocking he's got a great wife he's got beautiful kids he's got the vehicles got the home he got you know got the lifestyle he's got it all together mm. i remember one of my mentors he's like you know if, if it looks like you got it all together well well just look down because you're yeah, or anyway, anybody that looks like they got their shit together, just look down because they're probably standing in it, you know, like, <laughs> and, and really that was my life. I was just in it. I was in my own shit. I was living in it. And uh, so it created this downward spiral where I just kept using, especially alcohol. It was yeah. just my way of coping with it. But I realized that when I would drink, it would turn me into a different person. And this other person, man, all those weak insecurities, whew, like yeah. I, I'd, you know, then I had the moniker with all the guys, all my friends at the time, fun guy, die. It was the guy that everybody wanted to party with. I go to trade shows, go to conferences and was like, Oh, where are you going tonight? Die. Where are you going? I want to be there. And they call me Billy white shoes. I'd wear these white shoes, you know, and, uh, and be like, Billy white shoes, where are you partying tonight? You know? And, oh man. And I, I used to be proud of that. Yeah. Proud of it, man. Like it, it was just crazy. And it yeah. wasn't until I started realizing I had to make a really big change. So what, yeah, what, what was the realization for you that you had to make the change? You know, it, it got to the point where my wife sat me down one day after an all-night bender. You know, I was hung over like crazy. I often equated like it felt like I had a nail going through one temple at the other. You know, it was just like, you know, those kind of mornings. And uh, I remember she sat me down and, and it was time for the talk. You know, my kids were both under the age of six at the time. And she's like, you know, this is not the kind of environment to raise our kids in. Can't do this. You know, because I, I disrespect my wife all the time. You know, I'd be like, yeah, I'll be home at such and such time. I'd show up the next morning. You know, like mm. I've turned the phone off so I didn't have to deal with it. Oh, yeah, the phone died. You know, like still, mm. where are you? Where were you? You know, like just crazy, right? Like just crazy stuff. I I, I, I wouldn't have accepted it. Yeah. And so in her own right, I, I get why she wouldn't accept it anymore. She kept putting it up with because she saw something in me. Lucas, something in me that I didn't see in myself, you yeah. know, and that's why she just kept pushing. Like I said, she's my best of friends, yeah. but also able to call me out on my stuff. And uh, it got to that point though, where she wasn't going to call me out anymore because I wasn't willing to change. It'd be one of those moments where I'd say, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to change. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to drink anymore. And, and you know, two, three weeks go by and everything's great. Oh, well I earned a night out now. 
You know, might justify it, right? Oh, I can have a night out now. I can go out with the guys. Oh, I can go watch USC with them at the pub. Go play yeah. a round of golf, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, they're all going back. They're going out now. Oh, I can go out with them. You know, like I would justify my actions. Mm. Like it was crazy, right? And uh, Shit. so she sat me down and she's like, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm taking the kids. Wow. And I was like, whoa, whoa. And like it was just, this is happening. This is happening right now. And I couldn't fight it. You know, like I knew it wasn't right of me to ask her not to. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember we started talking and we're both crying and just, it was just one of those moments. And uh, she looked at me and she said, Di, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? Whoa. That was the question, Luke. Like that was the turning point. Because, you know, up until that moment, I never really thought about it that way. Like were my actions reflective of the type of man that I want my daughter to end up with? And, you know, if you start doing all the research and, you know, I've now done this type of research and looked into it and very much so daughters tend to, to gravitate towards their fathers, you know, mm -hmm. men that are like their fathers. And, and I started thinking, I was like, man, what kind of guy I'm being? way I'm treating my family. Oh, yeah. If a guy like me at that time showed up on my doorstep saying, hey, I'd like to take your daughter out, I'd be like, no effing way you're getting <laughs> in my door, man. <laughs> like, punch you in the face and kick you in the nads. You're gone, man. Like, there's no way. But in my right mind, I couldn't justify that because I was that guy. Mm -hmm. And, and it, man, and, and I pardon the cliche, but it was a sobering moment. Like, it really was. It was just like... Okay, I'm going to make a change. And I made a commitment. I got my wife to stand. You know, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Like, she could tell that something just snapped in me, right? Sat her down, sat the kids down on the couch. I'm like, daddy's going to do one year, no drinks, no drinking. And the kids, my kids don't both be under the age of six. They're looking at me and they're like, I mean, like no, no pop, no, no, this. They started listening out, no coffee. And, you know, like to them, they're just thinking, oh, dad's not going to be having any drinks. And we're like, no, 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 no adult drinks, you know? And so we had to qualify that a little bit for them, which is rather funny and rather cute. But uh, I, I made a commitment to go one year, no drinking, no alcohol. Because I also know that alcohol was that slippery slope for me. I would add alcohol, I would add drugs, and we also then added women. Like it, it just, it was this gateway for me. And, uh, and it wasn't, you know, I, I don't believe in addiction per se, because uh, I never felt like I was addicted to it. Mostly but I dependent. valued, well, I, I would say I valued alcohol over everything else. Okay. So I was always aware of my choices. Yeah. Always aware, fully yeah. aware. I was never like doing things blindly with a, just no concept of what I was doing. Like I, I was always fully aware of what I was doing and choosing mm -hmm. to do it anyways. Mm -hmm. And it was just a value. You know, I valued alcohol, especially the person I'd become when I drink over that of who I could be. And so and that started that journey. And, and what I realized Luca, was it became a very significant crutch for me from the age of about 17 <laughs> to the age of 32. It was my coping mechanism. It was my crutches. It helped me walk. It helped me function. And all of a sudden I took the crutches away and I realized, my goodness, I can't walk. Right. <laughs> you know, like I, I need to do something, some serious work here. So alcohol was your biggest vice. 
1,000. It was my largest vice, but it also was that slippery slope that led into other vices. It was the gateway mm. for me, you know, yeah. the doorway through which I would walk and, and I, everything else. Like it would just lower all those inhibitions and allow me to live as somebody different. And mm. I would justify the actions. I wasn't in my right mind. You know, I would be my excuse. It wasn't me. You know, I'm sorry. You know, it was a mistake, but I'll never do it again. Whatever. I mean, that was my, like, the mantra, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, then, uh, rightly so, my wife got to a point where she's like, no, you know, and she mm. was just like, no. And uh, so I started doing a lot of inner work. Yeah. That was finally the first time in my life where I recognized, you know, I, I, I've been so focused on the external and, and on the appearances and chasing success and concerning myself about what everybody else thought about me and believed about me mm. rather than focusing on what I believe about myself. Mm -hmm. When I finally took inventory of that, I realized I didn't really like who I was. Mm. You know, I just, I didn't. And, and that's also what fueled the alcohol even more, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I, I got a psychologist, got a counselor, you know, I, I, I started doing a lot of inner work. I even went to some meetings, it didn't jive with me, you know, um, this idea that I'm powerless against something else, you know, so she, it, it just, it didn't jive with me. Not, I'm not knocking it. For some people, it's great, you know, 12-step yeah. program, awesome. If it works for you, great. I for me, it just didn't match. Didn't yeah. match my belief system. Didn't match what I wanted. Uh, it just wasn't my choice yeah. for for going down this path. And it started as one. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm all I'm all about just find a support network, you know. Yeah. And if you can't change people around you, just change the people around you. And that's what I did. I realized everybody that I associated with at the time liked fungi dye. They liked Billy White shoes. They liked the guy I would become when I would drink. Mm. You know, and I didn't like that guy. And I was like, I don't want to party with that dude. I don't want to party anymore. You know, that's not who I want to be. I've had mm -hmm. bigger aspirations. You know, I, this is who I believe I'm evolving into that I've been meant to become. And man, everything I'm doing is completely opposite. Yeah. It keeps regressing me backwards. You know, I don't see forward progression and uh, at least in, in the way that I wanted it. And uh, so that started that whole journey. And after a year, it was like, whew, I really like where my life's going. I've accomplished more in this last year without alcohol than I think I've done in the previous decade. Mm. And I like who I am. And I can see the people that really like me mm. for who I am. And it became a lifestyle. Mm. And it's just this constant diving into personal and professional development and deepening my understanding Beautiful. of myself, but others. And, and just, it's been a 10 year, a decade journey. And I love it. And I'm still on that journey, right? And uh, but I still I don't drink and don't do drugs. So you haven't you, you haven't know, like, you haven't had alcohol no, since then? None. No, no wow. desire. I, I feel very comfortable. I could have a glass of wine. I could do that, but I have like zero, zero desire, no inkling. Like I'm fine without it. I've learned mm. to function high, high level without it. Mm. But it, it took a it took time. And I, I like people that, that may be listening to this or watching this, you know, if you're struggling with that and it's that crutch for you, that way to escape. Yeah. You know, some of the stresses and the concerns in life. Like, I get it. I totally get it. But man, when you learn how to cope with it in a different way, a healthier way, where you're fully aware of your options, your choices, and, and who you are in that moment, it tears down a lot of other barriers that you probably mm. aren't even realizing are there. Mm, you know, things that are holding beautiful. you back. That's yeah, powerful. and it's it's been just a beautiful journey. And I'm grateful. Like, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Had I not had my wife ask me that question that morning, yeah. and I don't even know if I'd be alive, Luca, to be honest. Gosh, mm. I, I remember once, geez, I fell asleep at the wheel, drove it over this massive drainage ditch, came three inches from hitting a tree, like a stump. Shit. Like I was just so fortunate. I should be dead. I should be dead. And this is all alcohol infused stupidity. 
Yeah. You know, and uh, there's lots of those close calls in my life. You would think that would have woken me up. Yeah. But it took my wife asking me that question. That question. To yeah. really shift me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I was ready to hear the question. Yeah. You know? For and, sure. At the uh, right so, time. Yeah, that's a... Uh, that's you a, were what, that's, about 31, 30, you said 31? Yeah, 31, 32 at the time. So this is, you know, uh, I guess, yeah, 30, actually, sorry, I was 32, not quite 33 yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to think about the timelines because it would have been 2010. So, yeah, I'd be in my 11th year of, of no alcohol, you know, making uh, those choices. And uh, Beautiful, man. Uh, yeah, it's, it's wild, though, to think about the, the, what's happened and transpired in my life since releasing that and actually yeah. working through it and learning how to, as I say, uh, not only walk again, but learn to run and sprint and jump yeah. and live, you know, yeah. like without those crutches. It's so freeing. So That's freeing. beautiful, man. What about yeah. the emotions? What emotions challenged you most through that same period? <clears throat> anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, anger, sadness? Yeah, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. A lot um, of anxiety. A lot of anxiety, yeah. And, and Social anxiety as well. I used to really get nervous in front of large groups, and I still do. But I've learned how to deal with it in a much healthier way. And what it's are funny you doing right? now because so, you're, you're speaking. You're speaking a lot. Uh huh. Exactly. Exactly. So now I do large speaking engagements. You know, for very big events and and uh, small events too. Like it, it doesn't matter. I love just connecting with people. And uh, but I recognized without alcohol <laughs> that there is this limiting factor. And you're probably similar, Luca, from the standpoint that. Even this project that you're doing right now with this 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 series of interviews, it's you're doing this to create an impact for others, to 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 help others with change and shift and navigating that path. And it, there's this calling. There's probably this deep desire to want to do that. And and I too had that desire. I felt like I have a story to tell. I believe that my message can help, inspire, and motivate, and educate, and help other people with change in their life. But I realized this fear, this anxiety, this stress that I was feeling is limiting my ability to do that. And without alcohol, I was like, well, I got to learn a healthy way to deal with this mm-hmm. once and for all. And I was very fortunate. You know, I had a mentor and I, he came in and spoke to a, a mastermind group I was a part of. And, and I was so impressed by him. He just came in to talk about power of communication effective communication and leadership and just an amazing talk came in did a little 30 minute talk at our mastermind group and i i I cornered him afterwards and i said man what do i got to do to be like you what can i do like how do you do this and he goes one word toastmasters that's what he said to me he literally just said toastmasters and so i went home i googled it and i I found one that was right within uh, my area where I lived at the time. And uh, I, that was on a Friday afternoon. That Monday morning, I went to my first Toastmasters meeting. Wow. And, uh, and I just- so Can you explain Toastmasters for those who are listening? Yeah, Toastmasters, it, the funny thing is, it's a nonprofit organization and yeah. it's global in reach. They have over 100,000 uh, clubs around the world. Different, every country's pretty much got a Toastmasters club. And it's a group of people that come together. It's all volunteer driven, right? This is nonprofit. And when you look at the actual curriculum and how they support you, it's crazy because I often tell people, you know, that the one not negative to Toastmasters is they they should charge $10,000 a year for the program. Because if they charge $10,000 a year for the program, I think people treat it more seriously, you know, Mm -hmm. but it, it, like I just renewed for another six months for 150 bucks, you know, it's like six months of support of, of, of community support to help people become more effective communicators and better leaders. That's really the foundation of what Toastmasters is about. They got an amazing curriculum. They've been around for eons, like a long time and they're very good at this, mm. but it's the community piece that I absolutely love the most because it creates a safe environment to learn. 
mm-hmm. to practice, to make mistakes and not be criticized for it, you know, but rather you get constructive feedback to help you improve consist- consistently and continuously. And uh, uh, so I, I just embraced it, dove all in. And, you know, it took some time. I, I had to, to overcome a lot of that. You would have been quite nervous, yeah? Yeah, I, for sure, man. And, and, and there were some speakers in that club, one of which is an organizer of one of the most popular Canadian uh, TEDx events. He's actually the licensee for it, and uh, which is really funny how full circle, I'm bringing this up because he invited me now to speak at next year's TEDx. Wow. And, uh, but at the time, he was my first mentor at Toastmasters. I remember the first meeting I went to, he spoke at that meeting. And I was like, whoa, this guy's like, pro like holy like i saw him talk and i was just mesmerized i was like man if i can be like and at the time he was 64 right and you know I, I, so double my age at the time i was just like oh man if I could do some of that if i could be do like one tenth of what he's doing right now woohoo it'd be great yeah. and, and i just laughed because i just embraced the process right and i want people to understand that there's so many people have already done amazing things in, in life mm. you know i've accomplished great things and overcome amazing huge massive obstacles Mm. if you're not inspired by them doing that and feel that wow maybe i could do that too Mm. man wake up okay (laughs) like wake wake up you know again to to sort of play on uh, the theme (laughs) of your series right it's just like because again it comes back to that fear i have of not living up to my full potential yeah right and 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 so it all sort of comes together and but all of a sudden i took the alcohol away it was like man it was like taking dirty sunglasses off i was like whoa holy i can see so much clearly now you know and 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 i get it i get Mm -hmm. it and and so toastmasters is this great environment if anybody doesn't know what it's about just look up Mm toastmasters.org phenomenal and the cool thing right now is they're all on zoom so it's really easy there's no excuse that you can't make the time or take the time to get there you don't have to leave your home you know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. just get in and check it out but uh i I absolutely love it and it changed my life Mm -hmm. you know and now i can speak in front of groups i still get anxious i've done lots of live tv and live radio and all the usual traditional media especially over the last six years I could have never said yes to those opportunities had I not had that support from that community mm. and the teaching, you know, that, that mentorship to, to help me learn how to do it, <laughs> mm. you know? That's and incredible, so, uh, That's Yeah, beautiful. yeah. So those are just some of the things that I picked up over the last decade, uh, but it would only became possible because of my wife, again, asking yeah. that question, you know? Yeah. And so the anxiety, it's so, it's so beautiful because it's like it comes back to that initial root cause, which was that, you know, insecurity of yourself being yeah, loved yes. or seen and, and, uh, you know, am I, do I, am I going to be liked? And, this, yeah. but so that was, do you, do you ever, that, that, that feeling you had, does that ever can, you've, have you ever found that that's contributed to something that happened in your past? I know you were quite overweight. Was it something before that or was it because of the, like the bullying or stuff that came from that? It, I think it was a bit of both. Like when I think back on it and, and you know, I, well, I, I'm not, uh, I often wonder, you know, did, was it my psychologist <laughs> implanting some of these ideas in my head or, or help me understand things? Like, is that actually what happened? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, sometimes yeah. when you go through therapies, it's like, well, it sounds like it. It sounds like those puzzle pieces fit together. So maybe yeah. that is it, you know? Yeah. Um, so again, I, I say this loosely, uh, but, you know, my parents separated and divorced. I wasn't in quite 10 yet. I think it was nine at the time. And then they eventually had the divorce. I think I was about 10 or 11. But during that period of time, I did learn ways to self-medicate. You know, I had a lot more time on my own because my parents were now separated. So my dad was living on his own. My mom was living on his own. But they were both working full time. My dad was an entrepreneur with his own practice. 
my mom was uh, high level management in, in, in healthcare space. And uh, so it left my brother and I, you know, a fair bit of our autonomy. And with that autonomy, you know, at that age, we didn't have any external outlets, like uh, at least not for ourselves. So it, it was food and it was, you know, if you leave a kid to his own vices, he's, mm-hmm. I mean, man, I could have pizza or I can make myself a healthy meal. I can have mm-hmm. pizza, you know, like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. And, but I, I, and also video games, movies, like I had a very sedentary lifestyle. So uh, I know there were some emotional issues yeah. that came up for me. Uh, especially that idea of being wanted. And, and I mean, there's all sorts of stuff we could go down that path, yeah, but sure. that sort of initiated a chain of events and it just compounded right in a negative way over time. And yeah. uh, you know, until it sort of came to that halt at, at 14, almost 15, when I realized, you know, I'm more afraid of the path of me staying obese than I'm afraid of the, I'm, I'm less afraid of the path of change of actually doing something different than I've been doing to that moment than I am of the idea of staying the same. Like it really, I always tell people, you sort of get to this point where you got to choose A or B, mm-hmm. choose going left or right, up or down. Like you, you really come to that milestone moment where it's like, okay, I've got a choice to make here. Yeah. I can either keep doing things as I'm doing them or I can do things differently. And really, you know, choosing the path that we're less afraid of is, is often the best course of action. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes, yeah. at least in my case, it was. It was like, I was more afraid of staying obese and what that meant to me mm. than the idea of actually trying something new, like exercise, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, maybe going to the gym, maybe like, and all these yeah, things. It wouldn't be so hard, maybe. Yeah. Well, it intimidated me, right? This idea, because yeah. I didn't know any of that stuff. And yeah. I tell my kids, I went to the library, I got books out on fitness and on nutrition. And they're like, you went to the library now? Why don't you just Google it? I'm like, I'm older than Google. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so and they're true, like, whoa. But it's funny, right? I was like, yeah. I went to a library, I got books out. And uh, I remember having to pay late fees on those stupid books because I kept them for so long, you know? But uh, yeah, that's sort Let's of go. what started everything. You yeah. know? And, and I'm grateful for it because I did. I changed my external and changed a lot of my mindset. I realized that I could overcome challenges. I could yeah. change. Yeah. There's so many gifts in that. Yeah, there were. And, and they're, they're gifts that I've carried forward. And, and I utilize a lot of the tools that I picked up along the way still today. Mm-hmm. But I also realized it only got me so far. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of other things that I didn't deal with. That I, and a lot of that was the emotional, psychological baggage that I carried along with me. Mm-hmm. I never dealt with that little morbidly obese kid and who I was and all the emotional pain that I felt. I just learned to mask it. You know, mm-hmm. I could work out. I could work on the, the facade, you know, the external me, get big and strong you know, hopefully this will change people's impression of me. Maybe they'll like me. Maybe they'll want to hang out. Maybe I'll get invited to the party. You know, maybe that girl will like me and I have a conversation. Maybe I'll have a girlfriend, you know, like, mm. uh, so, we, you know, when I really look back and I start tracing all those things, it's like, wow, it's amazing. Right. Mm. I mean, but it showed up in a lot of other ways too, throughout my life and just yeah. especially in my twenties. Um, and then I just learned how to deal with things, with, yeah. especially with me, it was alcohol and drugs and, and just. That was know, the next this, step this. for you to understand things, yeah. It was, it was. Yeah. And, and it was, gosh, I, I'd i be lying if I said I didn't have a lot of fun. I did. Mm. I had a lot of fun oh. in the moment. Yeah, the, great, you know? the greatest times in the yeah. moment. Yeah, <laughs> It's the repercussions <laughs> of the moment. Well, that's yeah. exactly it, right? It's really yeah. recognizing that that cascading effect that our choices do have and those actions, yeah. especially, and, and the yeah. follow through and what that creates, especially, you know, I told you that when my first daughter was born, you know, everything shifted for me and it did. Yeah. And in a good way, because I also started to finally, I started feeling guilty about some of my actions. Uh, Prior to yeah, that, yeah. I really, I mean, I didn't care. I was like, this is my life. I'm going to live how I want and you don't like mm. it, whatever. Yeah. 
You know, I, 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 but I was still a people pleaser, but not when it came to that portion. But then yeah. all of a sudden I had a family. I was like, oh, something doesn't feel right. Yeah. It yeah. just didn't feel right. But yet I kept doing it, which yeah. also created more stress, anxiety, mm-hmm. self-loathing. Oh man, the list is as long as my arm. Yeah. And, uh, but I could medicate it, you know, Beautiful, I could man. medicate it really well yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. until, yeah, until I couldn't, you yeah. know, until I couldn't. So who's yeah. loved, anyway. who's, who's loved did you crave most? Die growing up, and who did you have to be to get it? Well, yeah, this is a this is a tough one. Mm. Um, I think honestly, my mom, I knew she loved me no matter what. Like she was very uh, emoting, right? Like she she would hug us, she would kiss us, like she would say "I love you." Like she was very, and she still is very good at communicating her emotions. Like I, I admire my mom so much for that, but I, I'm very much like my dad. And, uh, and I've had to learn to be more comfortable with expressing myself, especially uh, emotional, getting vulnerable. You know, it, my mom's very good at that. My dad, not so much. He wasn't, you know. Um, I mean, he grew up, he had four older siblings, but his next oldest, his next oldest brother was 10 years older than him. And then there was like the four of them all within a couple of years of each other. So they, my, his, my grandparents had four kids. And then my dad was, as they communicated to him, an oops. So can you imagine that, you know, being acknowledged and told, like they loved them, but they weren't very emoting, mm. you know, they wouldn't, my dad was raised in the time, you know, he's born in 1944 and his father was very business orientated and his, his mom, they just, I remember him sharing that there wasn't a lot of emotions shared. Mm. They would share, they would say they're proud of them and that kind of stuff. But, you know, as far as public displays of affection, even in the privacy of their own home, it just didn't really happen. Yeah. And so he sort of learned that mechanism. He learned that that's just how you do things, how you cope with things. And also he, he was, didn't like confrontation. You know, my dad was very quick to get into a very tense moment and he'd split and run. And when I say split and run, he would just exit the situation, back away, like yeah. just wouldn't fight through it, wouldn't work through it. And uh, um, at least based on what I experienced and what I recall. Okay, because I also recognize I was a kid at the time and, you know, a lot of those early yeah. ideas formulated who I believed him to be. And I've since, I understand my dad a lot better now, but unfortunately he's passed, you know, a few years ago he passed from pancreatic cancer. And, you know, from the time that I, I entered into early adulthood to, to time he passed, you know, I, I, I'm quite remiss that I, I didn't really get to know him. Mm. I know he yeah. loved me yeah. and I know he knows that I loved him, but, we were never very expressive about that, yeah. you know, yeah. lots of superficial conversations mm-hmm. and, and just not really getting to the nut of it all, which sort of spurned the whole reason why Mentorship Mondays began, you know, the men's group, we started in Bali and <clears throat> just this ability to be vulnerable with other men mm-hmm. and, and create that connection and not having that fear of being judged or, or, or having what I'm sharing be used against me which was a belief that I had. And that's why I would protect myself and not share those, just my truths. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and beautiful. so, so I my, dad. really my opened, dad's love really opened up. You yeah. And, and, by seeing and, and I, I gotta be honest with you. Look at like now after my father's passed, I've realized, you know, in him passing and, and just the power of reflection and, and thinking back on just those experiences. And, and remember how I told you just things sort of happened for a reason for our family. Well, yeah. It was weird how I had transitioned out of a career where 
having the opportunity to fly back to Ontario, spend time with my father at end of life would not have been as easily done. But we had transitioned away. We had started traveling. Like we went back and lived back home, like back in Ontario for six months during that end of life. I I had time with him. Yeah. But all that happened after the fact. It wasn't planned for, but it just worked out that way. Mm. So I'm very, you know, I count my blessings every day that, that we had that opportunity. That's you know, and that we had those conversations that had that time together. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of things we just left unsaid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we had opportunities. We could have said a bunch of stuff, yeah. but we didn't. Yeah. And I think we're both okay with it. I know I've, I've struggled with it. I had to work through that where it's like, huh. you know, if my dad was here right now, what would I say to him? There's a lot of things I would say, mm-hmm. you know, because he, he was the one I think I really, because he didn't show love, at least not the way that I wanted it to be shown. Mm-hmm. Right. I crave that. And I think that's also why when I look at some of my, the strongest mentors I've had in my life, typically people that are decades older than me, there's very much like that father type relationship because I've been craving it. Mm-hmm. You know, my very first mentor, I mentioned like before, I, I remember <laughs> even, and I've never shared this, but I, I remember during the end of our, our sort of that 17 year stint when I'm getting ready to finally leave the company. And I, I, I know it kind of hurt him because he, I, I know that he believed that, I, you know, like, I was going to take the keys to the car, you know, I'd be driving this thing. He was the CEO, I was the COO, CMO, you know, um, that was the next progression was he'd step away. I would assume it and I'd run it and be my thing. And, uh, but I didn't want that life, you know, and, but I remember having a conversation and sharing, you know, like it, I've always thought of you as a father. Mm. And I remember him saying in a message to me, it was like, well, you're not my son. Wow. You know, like just, just, but you know, it was kind of spiteful the way it was said. And I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. it was just like this kick in the stomach. You know, I was just like, oh, he really just said that. Oh, mm-hmm. it just shattered my image of him instantly. You know, and I was like, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it was a really tough moment, you know, when that happened. I, I felt really hurt, really hurt. And mm-hmm. uh, which also fueled me even more to, to follow my own thing. Follow my own dreams. Follow my own passions. Almost do do the things that I want to do. Sort of just like push you onto your next path. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I don't begrudge him for it. But I, I, you know, we've never really. I've only seen him twice since I left four or five years ago. Yeah. You know, and uh, could I sit down and have a conversation? Absolutely. Yeah. I've reached out a couple of times. Beautiful. He's a busy dude. Hasn't mm-hmm. happened, but um, I forgive him because it wasn't him. He yeah. was just being him. Like yeah. He, yeah, he didn't mean any. There was no malice there, right? Like it wasn't trying to be spiteful or hurtful, but. Obviously, my perception is touching a wound. His perception, you. yeah, 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 and uh, so yeah, there's there's lots to unpack there, but I, I feel like I'm almost rambling. But it, it's you know these are sort of all these little things I've been learning yeah. over the last, especially the last five years, you yeah. know, and uh, that's beautiful. It's all just self learning, you know, yeah, becoming more totally. aware of my own tendencies, my own belief systems, and and yeah. realizing it's it's okay to let some of these things go, you know. Yeah, man. What was the lowest point in your life? And, and, and was suicide ever an option in that period? Man. Well, I think there's been a number of low, low periods. Um, I think back on it. it what about that moment when you were like lost your family, yeah, about to lose your family? Yeah, like that was, I mean, I, I call that my rock bottom moment you know we hear people talk about that you know like it was like and i even felt like i was under the rock <laughs> you know like, it's not a matter of just hitting the rock i was under it and uh just realizing that everything that i because i realized all of a sudden at that moment too 
if we went our separate ways, that whole image that I was working towards, that everybody believed this certain aspect of us as a family, as me as a man, as I realized it was all bullshit. Mm. And it was all going to come crumbling down. And for what? Mm. You know, based on me valuing alcohol and drugs mm. and not living into who I potentially could be, like just being afraid of actually trying to do something different, mm. trying to be honest or being open about my emotions, like just so many things, right? And uh, mm. that was definitely a really low, like I would actually say it was months leading up to that was my lowest period in life. Like I was, I was very depressed. But I learned to cope with that, with alcohol, with drugs, with hanging out, with just doing these other things. It was just an escape, right? I was just escaping all the time. Mm -hmm. I'd show up. I'd be there for my kids. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd be at events. I'd pick them up at school. You know, I'd do stuff. I was showing up, but I wasn't really showing up, mm -hmm. you know? I, I was there physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, definitely not. I was, mm -hmm. I was rather absentee a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it wasn't just like a moment. It was like a period, yeah. you know, a season, if you will. That I felt like I was at my lowest in, in my life. And uh, when you're in that moment, it's really hard to see anything other than that. Yeah. What, was, know, the, like really. what was the moment of awakening for you that got you out of that? Well, it was realizing that I, I it was almost like I, <laughs> I think I wanted to be caught. I wanted to push my wife away. You know, I want, like, deep down, I think that subconsciously, that's what I was working towards. I was waiting for her to say, you know, enough's enough, I'm out. Yeah. Because I was too chicken to say that, to do that. So it was like, I was so ashamed of who I was. I was like, I'll just keep doing this until she's finally gone. Yeah. You know? And her asking me those questions and giving me that time that morning, and it was a couple of hours, like, it, you know, took to get to that point, like a lot of tears, a lot of just like trying to work through things, trying to understand things. And uh, her asking that question was a real awakening moment. Like it really was that moment. And, and me making that switch, much like I was when I was that morbidly obese kid, that one morning where I, I contemplated suicide, you know, it was like in a moment I was like, okay, well, I'm more scared of death and the finality of not knowing what's going to happen. And just that that's end. Like that's mm -hmm. final. Like there's no coming back from that. And that scared the crap out of me. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. So I can either keep being who I am and accept who I am as this morbidly obese kid and be okay with that and everything that comes with it. Or this other path is me just trying to do something different to create a different result, trying to change. And, and so it became very clear in that moment. And so I, I equate that, that clarity moment when it happened again at that dining room table with my wife and I having that conversation. I was like, well, if we do separate, she does take the kids away and goes away. I don't, it's irreparable. I don't think we'll ever come back. Mm. So it's is final. And that means oof, everything that I've believed and said that is a value of me, like family is one of my pillars. I'd always maintain that family's a pillar. I wasn't really living it. Mm. Uh, and, and recognizing that, okay, well, now they're gone. What's going to really happen? And, and that's mm. where I became very fearful again. I was like, oh, I don't think this is going to be a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can see the path and, and without them there, I would probably double down, yeah. triple down on yeah. some of those habits, those behaviors, those learned ways of coping. And that's why I'm very honest to say that, you know, I, I don't know if I'd be alive today. Yeah. And I yeah. can say that very openly, very transparently. I, I feel that. Mm. yeah i mean I, I think i should have died in that car six months prior to that you know like mm. i was very very fortunate that it, i didn't um you slid you know, down this beautiful so. path man 
Yeah, well, it's, like I said, you got a saint it's, by it's your side. Still going. Yeah, wife, yeah, man. yeah. It feels that Incredible. way. And uh, as I say, my wife's uh, she's a redhead, it's uh, a tinge of ginge, and uh, so I often joke that I've got this little little angel on my shoulder with bright red hair. You know, and uh, uh, she's definitely that little voice at times for me. And, I love that man. As much as uh, we we can really get under each other's skin at times, uh, I mean, you, you learn those those things over twenty years together. But that's beautiful. Man. Um, there's a lot more awesomeness, you yeah. know, than, than the other. So what healing, what healing was a part of this journey? What modality helped you most? You talked psychology and therapy. Oh. Was that it? Or was there something else? Was there more? I, I think it's everything. Like I, I, I don't think I would say it's any one thing specifically. Um, but I do have to acknowledge that really owning my health and what I mean by that is I've been in and out of health based on some of my choices, you know, like I'd have an all night drinking. It would be a couple of days before I'd want to work out again. I would also eat certain foods. Like I was, I would do certain things as a result of me making that decision to, to choose alcohol or whatever else came with that after the fact. So it would affect my health and well-being, mm-hmm. especially my mental health, you know, my emotional health. So I recognize that these choices were always like this two steps forward, three steps back. So I felt like I was constantly regressing back backwards. And, and so when I made that switch, I, I put a lot more focus back into my personal health again, okay. you know, my mental health yeah. uh, as well as my physical health and really got clear on my nutrition and just started making certain choices that I knew would affect my biology and my chemistry. Okay. You know, because as soon as I started feeling better, you know, physically again, like fitness became that outlet for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I released a lot of weight. I, I got healthy. I started feeling energized and focused and on, on just, I mean, pardon yeah. the cliche, but on fire. I felt like I was on yeah. fire again. You know, I felt like really clear, like I had a direction. I had a purpose again. And, and my purpose for me at the time, that, that goal was just to get well. Yeah. Get well, feel better again. Because I knew if I could feel better, I would start to think a little bit better. I would choose to do things a little bit differently, which would maintain that momentum that yeah. I was building. And so, it's uh, like so those are some exercise, physical exercise yeah. and nutrition and well-being on that side led to yes. more so the mental health and well-being. That's right. And then I just started to recognize that whatever inputs I put in would often affect the outputs. And so I started to read a lot, uh, especially in the personal development and professional development spaces, you know, just listening to, to at the times, watching YouTube videos, watching Ted talks, you know, mm-hmm. connecting with certain communities like Toastmasters where, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was an environment Pumping that wasn't voice. coming to. Yes. Yes. And, and really just working on me, all areas yeah. and, and, and learning to say yes, even to the things that intimidated me, That's beautiful, like public man. speaking, like Oof. the opportunities to go speak at an event. And, uh, so, you know, I, so saying yes to things that you knew were good for you, but also, yeah, put me way outside that comfort zone, you know, and, uh, but trusting in myself that it was going to be okay. Yeah. And that I would learn through the process. So I, I embraced this idea of constant learning, but also recognize that, you know, the way I would train my body, I can train other aspects of my life. And it, it, like I said, right at the beginning, that idea of time under tension, right? You got to put a little bit of strain. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that, that feeling of uncomfortableness is actually a good thing. You know, we adapt, we evolve because of that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't need to quote Darwinism, like, but it's there. The proof is in the pudding. You know, evolution, it's the fittest survive. But how do they get fit? Well, 
they have to be challenged by by environment, <laughs> mm-hmm. by other sort of stimuli. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's that constant pressure, right? And and we react, we 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 act. We mm-hmm. can be proactive. I actually feel in that that sort of change process, right? And that's why I, I love fitness, and I, I help a lot of people with like physical well being, mental well being, nutritional well being. You know, I look at a multi prong approach because it's all connected. Yeah. It's all connected. And and so I would compartmentalize a little bit. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do this today to focus on my mental state. You know, I'll do a little bit of meditation. Uh, maybe I'll go do a yoga class and have someone guide me through that, you know? Yeah. And so I started saying yes to certain things that wouldn't have been in my normal yes. <laughs> you know, in fact, I sometimes I would have been like, there's no way I'm going to ever do that. No, no. <laughs> I, I'm going to go talk to a counselor about my, my dad, my relationship with my father. No way, man. That's way too uncomfortable. I can't do that. Yeah. And, uh, and realizing that, you know, there's probably something to that. Yeah. There's a reason yeah. why there's a lot of um, friction yeah. around making that commitment and that decision to do that. So mm-hmm. I just started to embrace the friction, you know. Amazing, man. That's beautiful. What about your friend group? How's that changed as you've changed? It all changed. Like mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I, like I said before, you know, I, I used to think that maybe I could change my friends. You know, I can inspire them through my own actions. This idea of me giving up alcohol. I remember sending the text messages out to everybody saying, you know, this is a commitment I'm making to myself and and just, you know, wanting my closest of friends to be on board and be able to support me. You know, because I believe that that's what I needed. I need that accountability, that support. I need them to know that this is a choice and a decision that I'm very serious (laughs) about. What I realized is I stopped getting invited out. Wow. You know, like a lot of the people that I believe to be close friends, well, we had different interests and I don't begrudge them for it. It's just, I realized that those social outings were always uh, around certain actions, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, even going to trade shows and conferences, uh, you know, within the years that followed that people were just, because I would only see them in those environments prior to that. So there was a very specific perception they had of who I am. And then all of a sudden, you know, me showing up differently and not acting like that and really stepping more into the person that I believed I was and I was constantly becoming. For some of them, they, they were really receptive. They were cool with that. But I wasn't getting invited out to the after hours, you know. I wasn't yeah, getting yeah. asked out to dinner. Like, it just, it was different. The conversations yeah. were different. But over time, I realized that my choices and my actions, especially I embrace social media as a way of showing rather than telling. Mm-hmm. So I would share my story. I would share my journey. I was being very, you know, at the beginning, we talked about this, this idea of transparency and being vulnerable and just being okay with just, let's just see where it goes, you know, this conversation. And I, I looked at social media as a, an outlet for that. I can just use it as a tool to share my journey, mm-hmm. you know, not to tell people this is what you should be doing, but really just to show them what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm working with. This is That's what I'm feeling so challenged by today. Man. Yeah, like I just thought it's a great way to to attract others that might be on a similar journey. And and it has. So you talked about tribe, a community, you know, and and so I found was even though I, I couldn't, you know, so the idea is like I couldn't change my friends, so I just changed my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I literally changed my tribe, changed my community. Yeah. And uh, great things happened. I started to attract others that I had no preconceived notion of who I was. Yeah. They were very much very present in the moment. And so my actions that I would take and the way I would speak and the way I would support, there was no hidden agenda. And, yeah. and so this this great connection all of a sudden started to form. Where before, you know, there was, well, let's go out to the pub, let's have a few beers, it's blah, blah, blah. you know, it just it was a very different social environment. Yeah. Did you and, grow a lot more? So, Is that you, you you could probably attribute oh, yeah. a lot more of your growth to yeah. that new friend group? Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I supported I had coffee it. with my friend 
Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm even thinking one of my my well, and I, and I have to to some people I I hear this and I have to remind people this is something that my wife and I did is we we recognize that our life was pretty full. You know, our kids are getting older at, at the time, and also you know so there's different commitments there for them, and uh, also you know I was building and scaling a company and also building my own online side business or my platform, uh, you know, outside of my normal working hours. So we had a lot of things. And also I was working on becoming more effective communicator and working on my speaking. So we had all these things that we had going. And uh, so time wasn't in an immense supply. It's like we recognized that we had to be very selective on where we would invest time. And we started to realize that, okay, well, there's not a lot of communities that align with the time that we do have allocated for some of these things that we want to be accomplishing. And so my wife and I said, well, we started creating some of our own communities and, and environments that would, we would invite anybody that wanted to come. We're going to be here at this time doing this sort of activity. We, we created a group in Vancouver called the Sunday Fun Day community, but it wasn't based on, you know, meeting up on Sundays after a night at the bar and having drinks and, and certain foods and whatnot. It was Sunday Fun Day all around health and well-being. And, and so we would invite people to come join us for free workout conversation, coaching, whatever they want. It's a free community, no hidden agenda. Just come show up and we're going to work out together. We're going to talk. We're going to just, just be there to support each other on our, for our own health and well-being. you it's know, beautiful. and uh, it attracted people from like in their teens all the way up until their eighties. Like we, we, some Sunday mornings we had a little bit of hundred people show up, you know, like it was crazy. Like it was, was really awesome. powerful. It was amazing. But because I had this big, community and my wife and I were seen as the ones that were driving that there was also that added pressure that, Hey, I, I gotta be a good role model mm. for these people, you know? So it was that very strict level of accountability, especially for myself. Like just knowing that I'm going to live by my word. Yeah. I'm going to live beautiful. into this. And, and that became the foundation for my book that was published five years ago. You know, everything yeah. that I really learned through that process of coaching these people over about a three and a half, four year period, um, inspired me to, to try to put something together that could be supportive and, and uh, used as a tool to, to help others that are starting in on this kind of a journey as well. And uh, so it's, it's funny how just everything feeds into another thing. And, uh, but as soon as you open up that door, you realize that, wow, there's a lot more doors after you walk through this one mm. and it just keeps going. <laughs> it's awesome. It's all, I mean, it's, it is really awesome when you, you start thinking totally about is, it. And, and uh, so, so on the community piece, we just recognized, like we even started our own Toastmasters group because none of the other Toastmasters clubs lined with what we had available and what we could make work. Mm. So we just started our own and we invited people. And it, it, interestingly enough, it was a health and wellness themed. So we attracted a lot of health practitioners and wellness practitioners, fitness practitioners. Awesome. So it was a fun little club, you know, but 20 to 30 people would show up uh, biweekly and we would support each other to become better speakers, better leaders. It was, it was just wild, you know, a lot of fun. And uh, that's incredible, man. Yeah. So, beautiful, so all man. these that's things beautiful. opened up for us. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. soon as you made that decision to push forward. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and uh, what part of this mm -hmm. conscious journey are you most grateful for? You know, the, the friends I've made, mm. the things that I've learned, you know, I'm really grateful for those opportunities and, and there's been a lot of struggles. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, especially when, you know, I left a very stable career, you know, right around when I left, we had just recently had our best year. We, we had an eight figure year, you know, like it was huge. We were doing really well. Um, everybody thought I was crazy. 
a lot of people thought I was like nuts. You know, you're leaving us, what? And, and we didn't have an exit strategy. I didn't have much savings, you know, like, and even then I was a junior partner. I didn't, wasn't like the primary guy. My partner was the main money guy. I was just one of the racehorses that was driving that thing, you know, and uh, um, a junior partner. So I didn't have a ton of equity in it. And, and yet I realized that, you know, this isn't for me anymore. And uh, so, so leaving that stable career, which provided a, a very stable lifestyle for my wife and our family, uh, it, it was a big choice, a big choice. There was a lot of fear there. Am I making the best decision? Is this good for my family? Like it was, it, there was a lot of stuff coming up. It's like, will I ever have a job or be able to create mm. that kind of income on my own, do my own thing? All these things, you know, and, and even the, the smallest of things, right? It's like, man, will people even like what I'm going to do on my own? <laughs> you know, do people even want to mm. work with me? Like, gosh, would I want to work with me? You know, like mm. just all, it's amazing yeah. how the, 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 the voices in our minds just take over. And yeah. uh, especially those negative ones. Oh, yeah. And, um, and yet we did it anyways. We just said, yeah, you know what? We don't have a plan B. Let's just do this. Because my wife and I, we, we sort of practice what Tim Ferriss talks about as fear setting, right? Like that whole idea of, well, we try to rationalize our fear. It's like, well, what's the worst thing can happen? Okay, I quit my career. And then a month later, she quit hers. Three months after that, we pulled the kids from school, gave away all our stuff, packed up what we could fit in our SUV. And that was it. Like that was all we had. We like downsized everything. Uh, but in downsizing, we also downsized our lifestyle, meaning- you know, uh, we, we weren't concerned about stuff. We went very minimalist. We still are minimalist now. Uh, it's something that we've been consistent, which has allowed us to be light and nimble and uh, mm. also not stress about much anymore, you know. Mm. But going through that process was very freeing. And, and we realized that if we downsize our lifestyles, we don't need as much cash flow to make things work. Mm-hmm. And worst case scenario, let's just say, okay, car has a major issue. We got to spend a bunch of money on it. Oh boy, we're, we don't have any couches to sleep on or friends' places to crash at, you know, because we can't afford an Airbnb. What's the worst thing that can happen? We're like, you know what? We have parents and family members that are very stable and they've already told us we ever need a place to be. We can live there. Yeah. We're very employable. We can get jobs. Like, it's, we started rationalizing. So there like, was no real worst case. The worst case was quite There, there wasn't. There wasn't, you yeah. know? And, and so as we rationalized through that, we realized, you know what? 10 years from now, I don't want to be looking back and saying, you know what, honey, we really should have taken that opportunity to go traveling as a family when the kids were of an age where they still liked hanging out with their parents. Because <laughs> <You know>, like, <laughs> that window closed. <laughs> it closes and then it opens up again. It does. Yeah. Like, I think about me with my own parents, right? But but it was getting to that point where it was like, oh, it's closing. Um, so, so, you know, we didn't get oh, much yeah. choice. And, and, uh, and, and so we wanted to not be that cliche that says man we really regret not doing this thing mm. and uh we'd much rather say hey we tried here's what we learned wow incredible, what a man. journey you know and uh so and also you know over this 10-year period i i discovered you know Bronnie where you might be familiar with her she's a, a an aussie a beautiful mm-hmm. woman with a lot of wisdom as and she wrote and did a great talk for ted called uh, the five regrets of the dying mm. and i remember reading that and just being like oh I don't want to have any of those when I die, <laughs> you know, when I'm Incredible, not in the life, I do. Oh man. It was just like, Oh, I do not want to be that. Cause also at the same time I discovered Dan Butner in the blue zones. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really interesting because they're, they're, they're juxtap- 
they're, they're opposites, right? You got, you know, parts of the world where people are living to be a hundred plus and they are dancing the jig, you know, like they are thriving. Mm-hmm. These aren't your typical elderly people that are waiting to die mm-hmm. <laughs> as we become accustomed to believe when you get to that age. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, we have Ronnie Ware that have people in their sixties or seventies or eighties that have all these regrets so and regret. most of them comment. And I'm like, okay, there's something here. Yeah. There, there's a reason why we oh, have this successful group so of people crazy. that are thriving you know, and, and so I just started looking at all the, the correlations and trying to really figure it out. And it's like, it's not rocket science. You look at the blue zones. He's got the nine power zone or power themes that he talks about. You know, these nine lifestyle habits, they don't cost any money. They don't cost anything. But these are the nine common things that all those five areas where these people live to be 100 plus, you know, it really, mm. and it's just, it, they're just living life that way. That's their lifestyle. And I'm like, so like, don't connect to those uh, regrets. Don't have any regrets yeah. and do more of this. And then yeah. see what happens. Good things happen. Well, no, but good things happen. And it's just like, wow. That was so that's what you did. You just, you just followed that. You just like literally looked at that yeah. and go, I'm going to do more of this. Well, we were fortunate. We already had a lot of those lifestyle habits. And we just started yeah. to be more uh, um, specific with some of the other ones, uh, yeah. especially as it relates to, to community and tribe. Like we, we really fostered a lot of that. Beautiful. Um, you know, we went more plant-based. We, we yeah. still eat uh, like everything. Uh, we are uh, very much, uh, we, we, we embrace any foods, but we are much more plant-based. You know, yeah. when I look at it, about 80 to 85% of our daily calories are all from plants, yeah. you know, and, and uh, a little bit of animal protein, but we're, we're very conscious of mm. our choices That's and our actions and, and, uh, and it's helped. So there's all these little aspects that have all become possible. And, uh, but the last five years, the amount of learning and leaving that career, that was mm. honestly that moment when I was like, Oh, my gosh. We're, okay, we're going to just trust in ourselves. That that what a leap it's going to be okay. Eh? It's going to be okay. And it was a leap of faith. But we also had enough belief in ourselves. that It was like, eh, well, how much real faith is this? It's actually just straight up belief. We know, mm. we know. You talked about, you know, what are those things that you and your partner knew to be true, right? Yeah. We knew and trusted in ourselves enough that the type of per- people that we were, that we can make this work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's only in the last year and a half that I've finally surpassed what I was making before, but it took time, you know, it mm-hmm. took a number of years to get to that point. A lot of trial and error, a lot of moments where I'm like, good thing we're living in Bali. <laughs> you know, like, Cause we were back in Vancouver, we'd be living on somebody's couch. Uh, but, but, but it's funny how things work that way. Right. Uh, it was like, Oh, totally we were lucky agree, we were man. in Bali, you know, like, uh, and uh, so it took time. It took time. Yeah. And even like COVID man, like everybody, I had 80% of my business decimated like mm. within a month. And uh, since bounced back on target for a banner year, you know, like, but mm. it took time and we had to navigate that a lot of fears at that time, like everybody else around the world did. But fortunately for us, we've had some great experience, amazing learnings. We, we gave ourselves permission to have a lot of fear for a few days. And then we were just like, okay, it's just, mm. you know, life's not over. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out how to navigate this. I mean, like I everybody else. And uh, yeah. So away we go, you know, incredible brother. This is the last question for you, man. What's, sure, one, sure. what's one tip that you would give your old self who's just starting this journey? I've thought about this a lot, you know, and it, and it's trusting yourself a lot more than you, you do, you know, like realize mm-hmm. that it, you don't need to learn that next little thing, that next little hack. It, it, like just trust that your basic DNA, you know, I look at my parents, they're both amazing. My dad was amazing. My mom was amazing. Like I didn't have a bad childhood, you know, and I know a lot of people aren't so lucky. I I get Mm -hmm. that. I have friends that had 
I mean, by all means, like awful childhoods, you know, mm. awful experiences and uh, a lot of negative experiences. And when I think back on it, it's like, you know, everything that you've learned and all these things you've experienced, just embrace them, trust mm -hmm. that you know what to do. You know, that little thing, that little thing called instinct, <laughs> you know, the spidey senses, trust those more. Mm. Stop fighting it. Because really that, that guiding light, that guiding feeling, it, it is the one that actually knows what's best, mm. you know, like, and it's, and I think that's the thing that my wife and I have embraced this last five years is that we just trust that instinct. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, things are going to be okay. Things are going to work out and they freaking always do. Mm. They always do. And uh, is it a choice? Is it perspective? Is it a philosophy? I don't know. Mm. I like to just think it's, it's just us trusting in ourselves more. So, so that's what I would like to instill in my younger version. That's beautiful. If I can go back 20 years, it's like, dude, just trust that feeling you got. Mm. It will not steer you wrong. Mm -hmm. With the exception, that cute blonde that you met at that bar that one night. Say no, dude. <laughs> Say no. <laughs> you know, like, uh, but other than that, yeah, <laughs> trust in that gut. You know? So, Because uh, I don't think that was a gut feeling. It was too low. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. yes. So, oh, man, uh, I can but... take that. I, I, I can take that advice on right now, you know. Not the, not the little blonde and the thing. I've got my little blonde here now. <laughs> and, you know, and, and she does, she's, you know, like that little saint, that saint that you've got. And totally helps me grow. But I can also take that advice on that you've got about just trust, man. Just like you don't need yeah. to figure that really rings true for me now. You don't need to have the next like the, the next hack figured out. Just just trust. Yeah. Totally. And mm. gosh, man, when you start going down that path, like it's wild. Like just that that fear of missing out. You yeah. know? I gosh, I, I was chasing, you know, what everybody else was doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for a while there like I, I just especially you know in the digital space is really noisy right like everyone's got Jones, an opinion man. oh yeah it was and when i first got to bali it was overwhelming it's so you know, true everyone does have these, such oh, a like an opinion on the digital space now it's so they true. do everybody yeah. does it's like i've got a better way of doing it you know and it's like oh really like oh man and just always trying something new mm. whether without really giving that last thing a real fair shot and actually mm. consistent effort and and uh it wasn't until i you know it took about almost 12 months you know of me just hacking around in a bunch of different things but not doing anything really well inconsistently mm -hmm. such as life you know <laughs> like, mm -hmm. when i think about it, it's not just the digital space this is so synonymous for every other area of my life uh <laughs> but it's again trusting that that you know what i don't have to be like everybody else i can do my mm -hmm. own thing and my own thing will be right you mm -hmm. know if it feels right there's some basic skills you can learn for sure can i learn how to write a better email for sure you know mm -hmm. can i write a better post take a better photo sure um but you know what? The one thing I can't do better is just live my life better. You know, like I, I want to continue living my life as I'm living it right now. And and that is one thing that I'm grateful for every day. I look in the mirror. You know, I, I will leave it with this. I don't know if you remember, um, was it the Stanford Address by Steve Jobs? I don't know if you ever watched uh, that, but it's a great speech. It was right after he, so anybody can find it. It's like on YouTube and uh, just look up Stanford Address, Steve Jobs. And so this is when he was in remission. And I always, I really, and, and I really love Steve Jobs' story, especially what he dealt with health-wise. You know, he ended up 
passing away from pancreatic cancer, same thing my father passed away from. So there's that, that connection, but also my father also went into remission one time and then it came back much like Steve Jobs. But during this period of remission, he, he gave this graduating address at Stanford University. And uh, in it, he shares this habit that he had where every morning he'd wake up and look himself in the mirror, you know, while brushing his teeth or getting ready for the day. And he'd ask himself, you know, if, what am I about to do today? You know, it, it, if this was the last thing I was going to do today, would I still be excited to do it? You know, would I still be excited to move forward and do it? You know, and if it ever got to the point where he said no too many days in a row, he knew it was time for him to make a change. Mm. You know, this, this idea that you're constantly self-checking in, right? To say like, what am I about to do today? If I died doing this, mm. would I feel fulfilled? Would I feel like I'm on purpose? Would I feel mm. like, yes, this is it. And, mm. and to be honest enough for yourself and say no, and recognize no, no, no. And like, if you keep saying no and you keep doing it anyways, and it's like, no, I'm not going to accept that. Yeah. I got to make a change, you know? Yeah. So, so that, so that careful. it's resonated with me. It sticks with me. And, and I'm constantly asking myself that, you know, if I was about to, you know, the things I'm doing right now, if I could keep doing this every day, would I be okay with that? Would I be on fire? Would I love what I'm doing? Yeah. The answer is yeah. yeah. Right now it's yeah. And if it ever gets to the point where I'm like, no, no, no. Trust me, I'm going to change again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there'll be a new iteration of die happening. But mm. right now, it's just using that as that guiding light. You know, that that self check in, that ability to recognize, yeah, you know what, I'm I'm satisfying for less than happy. Mm. You know, and, I love and that. None of that, man. None of that. Yeah. You know? So I love yeah. that, brother. That's a great way to leave this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure sharing your story and chatting with you, man, and allowing you to. Thanks, Luca bring that forward so i really appreciate your time oh man <laughs> love you brother and honestly i'm looking forward to a, a great relationship forming and us connecting in person and uh and i i love what you're doing Likewise, i absolutely love man. what you're doing you know the, you. this you're, you're providing so much light where there is a lot of darkness mm-hmm. and uh not to to riff on a cliche but seriously man like this is the kind of conversations that I wish my 20 year old self had access to. So, yeah. so thank you for putting this out in the world. You know, You're welcome, it's, man. it's amazing. I, I can't wait to see what, what, what this project leads to next for you. Especially yeah. after a hundred conversations, you're going to have an anthology of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure, it's pretty man. remarkable. So um, sure. thank you. Thank, thank you. you, brother. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for everyone listening and tuning in. If you have any questions or you do want to reach out this, the show notes will have both of our social media links. So until next time, Take care. Keep doing everything you can to be your best self. Much love. And just be I got love in my eyes Bro, I can't see I'm gonna be Who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking My old self away Yeah I put love into me I'm spreading that love Yo, don't you see Grab your cacao And drink it with me Cause wokeness Is taking my old self away Woke man Wokey woke man Woke man Wokey woke man Woke man Wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.